Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Uh, Today we're going to be joining Pastor White as he continues his series on the family. So let's get out our Bibles and get ready to join Pastor White as he teaches us about God's plan for home and the family. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Ephesians. Very, very familiar portion of scripture as it pertains to the family. Now, as we're in this series on the family, as you've seen, there's series within a series. And now we're entering into a mini series within this major series where we're going to be looking at how to provide protection as parents for your sons and for your daughters. Do our children need our protection? I want to tell you something here, parents. They need our protection today as never before. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, and the enemy has flooded into our country and into our culture. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God says that he will raise up a standard against the enemy. And we want to be standard bearers. And we want to raise up that standard in these latter days. And one of the areas that we need to raise up the standard is in the area of our families and providing the protection that our children need. We are commanded by God to do so. Let me say right up front, after raising 10 children and having the 20 grandchildren that I have, they don't always appreciate your protection. They don't always see it as a blessing. However, that does not mean that we're not to provide it for them. Ephesians chapter 6. Children, what's the next word? Obey. Children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. This is the right thing to do. Honor. Along with that obedience comes what? Honor. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What is the promise? That it may be well with thee. If you want things to go well for you in your life, then you will obey your mother and your father. You will Honor them and you will come under the protection that God is providing for you through your parents. If you want things to go well for you. If you don't want things to go well for you, then I guess you have a choice. And the choice then would be things will not go well with you. And you will not live out the fullness of life that God has intended for you to live. This is the word of God. Verse 4, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The discipline, we could say, and the instruction of the Lord, because that provides the protection that our children need. So this is part one. We're going to have several elements to this. And... um, A lot of what I'm going to give you here this evening is going to have to be given to you quite quickly. That is, I'm going to try to refrain myself from making too many comments. Don't laugh. I said I'm going to try to refrain myself from making too many comments. And I certainly cannot read all the verses. You know, as we go through these PowerPoints, we probably have anywhere from 50 to 100 verses each time that we go through. And and just to read the verses itself would consume all the time that we have. 
So I'm going to put those verses up there. I would really encourage you to take notes, jot these things down, and you can go back later and uh, you can study them on your own. Uh, what is this a picture of? It's a picture of a greenhouse. Years ago, I heard this analogy, and I thought it was a very excellent analogy. Uh, this greenhouse provides what? Provides protection for the plants that are there in that greenhouse. It sets a good environment for them. It allows them to get a good head start, right? Because if they were outside and they were exposed to all the elements that are outside, then, then it would kill them, especially here in April in Michigan right now when it's snowing. But you can get a, a good head start on the life of a plant uh, by simply putting it in a greenhouse and providing it protection until it can stand on its own outside of the greenhouse. Well, our home should be like a greenhouse, providing the protection that our children need so that they can mature and they can grow and then they can thrive for the Lord out there in this very hostile and wicked world in which we live. So I think it's a beautiful analogy. So the reason for the greenhouse is so that these plants will grow and they become strong so that eventually they will bear what? They will bear fruit. All right? That is our goal. I believe that for every parent that's here tonight. I believe you would say that is, that, that is my heart's desire. Is that my children would grow up and they would be fruitful for the Lord. Remember how many times we said throughout the book of Proverbs. I know you won't be able to jot all these down. But how many times Solomon addresses his son. My son, my son, my son, my son. If you will read through the Proverbs, what, what are the Proverbs always talking about? Protection. Protection, protection, protection. Why was Solomon so desiring his son to listen to him? For example, let's just pick a few of them out here. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. What does the instruction of the father give you? Gives you protection. And so you can go on. You can look on down the list. Uh, chapter 4, verse 10. Oh, hear my son and receive my sayings. And the years of thy life shall be what? Why? Because the protection is there. Pick any one of these out where Solomon says, my son. And see if you cannot see the protection that Solomon is desiring for his son to get underneath. My son, my son, my son, my son, my son, my son. Isn't that incredible as you go through the Proverbs? It really shows you the heart of a father for his son or daughter. In two separate studies, one done by the University of Michigan and the other by Penn State University, it was stated that the average American father spends less than 7 to 11 minutes in conversation with his child each week. When you hear that, and I know that's not the case with us here tonight, you spent more than Seven to 11 minutes just convincing your children to come to church tonight. So. But when you see that statistic, if, it's, if it is accurate, I believe that it is because I hear this not only from these universities, but from other studies that have been done. Fathers just are absentee. They're just not involved in their children's life. So with this lack of interaction between the father and between the children. It's no wonder that we're in the mess that we're in. And folks, let's face it. Our families are a mess. The traditional normal family is no longer a traditional normal family. Dysfunctional families are now becoming the norm. That's a terrible blight on us as a nation. And think of the ramification that, that has to do with the church. You've heard it says, as the 
family goes, so goes the church. As the church goes, so goes society. Why? Because we are the salt, we are the light. Doesn't the devil know exactly what he's doing? And destroying the very first institution that God has established. The father-child relationship is absolutely critical to raising godly children. So dads, we need to get involved. So here are some practical ways that I'm going to give you within the next probably four, five weeks. Uh, I will not be teaching next Wednesday night. Pastor Peterson is going to teach next Wednesday night on Monday. Uh, I'll be going in and having some minor heart surgery. And so they told me to take a couple days to recover from that. So uh, Pastor will be preaching next Wednesday night, but then we'll get back into it uh, after that. So here are some practical ways to teach your children how they can be protected and resist and, uh, and get away from the wiles of the devil. When we talk about the wiles of the devil, what are we talking about? His trickery. Who said that? Good job, Mike. His trickery. All right. And boy, is he ever a great deceiver, especially among our young people. He is powerful. I mean, they don't, they don't have the word like we do instilled in them. And even those who have the word, he's able to twist it and pervert it and jumble it all up in their minds through all the worldliness that they're taking in. And just, That's why we need to be there to give them that protection that, that they need. So as you look into the scriptures, you will find that fathers are to be like the shepherds of their flocks. Just as a pastor is to be the shepherd of his people, uh, we are to be, as fathers, we are to be shepherds. Uh, I've put this picture up here many times for you before. It hangs in my office, and over top of these three pictures are uh, a plaque that talks about the pastor being the shepherd, and I see that every day. And I want to be such a good shepherd uh, to the flock here in leading them and exhorting them, as you see here in these pictures and also, one of the responsibilities that I have not only as a pastor, but I have as a father is to beat away the wolves. And as we get more into this series, we're going to talk about the world, the flesh, and the devil, the three wolves that are absolutely after our flocks to try to destroy them. And I want to tell you something. There's something worth fighting for. It's for our flocks. There's something worth standing in the gap for or in the hedge for. It's our it's our flocks. So take heed to yourself. That would refer to your own personal life and your walk with the Lord. And to all the flock, this would be the members of your family, as to me it would be the members of the church here. Fathers are given the responsibility to oversee their families. We will stand and give an account for that. We are the overseers just as I will stand and give an account of how I have pastored this fellowship. Fathers are given the responsibility to guard their families from being drawn away. Do you know there is all kinds of people that will try to draw away the hearts of your sons and of your daughters? Fathers are responsible to lead and not only to lead, but also responsible to feed, that is, discipleship, their families. And that goes back to spending that time to talk to them and instill the word of God into them. So here's the first suggestion that I have, and that is do your best to lead your children to personal salvation. Now, I've had the chance to lead several of my children to the Lord, but not every one of them to the Lord. I don't care who leads them to the Lord as long as they get saved. Amen? But we are to, as fathers, we are to, as parents, be always bringing the message of salvation. Uh, my wife does such an amazing job with the grandkids now to read them Bible stories. And she has these eggs, and inside the eggs she has figurines of 
Bible characters, and she tells them the story, and she's always bringing the gospel, always bringing the gospel, always bringing the gospel to her grandchildren. So leading them to personal salvation. Boy, do they love the eggs. When they come over to Grandma and Grandpa's house, they, they want to uh, get the eggs out and have Grandma tell them the story. Dedicate your children to God. All right? Give them to God. And then remind him throughout their lives they belong to you. Okay? So lead your children to personal salvation. Dedicate your children to the Lord. Next is make sure your children know how to overcome sin and temptation. Notice I said that they know how to. You can't make them. But at least we can teach them how to. Now whether they choose to overcome sin, whether they choose to overcome temptation, that's up to them. But at least they should know how to. Give me an amen. amen. So who's going to teach them that? Don't rely upon the Christian school, the school teacher, or the preacher to do that. Parents, you teach your children how to overcome sin and overcome temptation. Number four. Challenge each child to total dedication. The most important thing in the Christian life is that we are totally and completely dedicated to the Lord. So when you see your children are not, then try to disciple them in that area of being totally committed to the Lord. Are you all keeping up with me okay? All right, number five is train each child how to resist, or how to recognize and resist. This is coming from Satan. I have enough discernment to see that. This is not from the Lord. Resist the devil and he will what? Okay, who has to resist? We do. No parent can resist for a child. No husband can resist for a wife, and no wife can resist for her children. We have to resist the devil for ourselves. So train them how to recognize and to resist the devil. Exhort each child in this resisting of the devil. Exhort each child to be wise enough to choose the way of blessing. I think there's probably one thing that my children would say they were tired of hearing from dad is that there's a road of blessing and there's a road of, and you're probably saying, yeah, pastor, we got it. Because it's something that I bring out all the time. Because it's so true. We make so many choices in life and either those choices are made in the realm of having God's blessing or having God's cursing. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. Set before you life and death. What? Blessing and cursing. Therefore, what? Choose life. Choose it. It's your choice. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served, which were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So many, so many, so many, so many have chosen to take that wrong course in life. Just before the service here, uh, some of the men were up here on the platform and they were talking about the uh, little video clip. This is our 20th year anniversary. So hard to believe that Fellowship Baptist Church has been in existence for 20 years. It's, in it's incredible how fast that time has gone. But Victoria put together this video clip. And it, how many have seen it? Okay. She was on Facebook and she sent it to me over email and I watched it. But I mean, the pictures go about that fast. And it's quite long. It probably, what? Is that say about 10 minutes? And uh, so many said, that was such a blessing watching that. But you know, it was and it wasn't for me. 
Because as I watched that as a pastor, I saw person after person after person after person after person who's no longer in the church, who's no longer walking with God, that is in the world, who has chosen the wrong way in life. And then I could even see the consequences in their life. When things could have been so different. And those are young people and adults alike. One road leads to God's blessing. The other leads to what? Destruction. One leads to life. One leads to death. One leads to heaven. And there's another road that leads to hell. Right and wrong decisions. There's what life is all about. And I'll tell you what. Satan is so good to convince you that there are not going to be consequences to your decisions. He is incredible. If I was as good as convincer as Satan is, we went to lost all those people. Help your children to understand what wisdom is. What is seen? Come say with me. God's perspective, or some have said from God's point of view. We're looking at it from our point of view, very carnal point of view, but look at God's point of view. There's a way that right into man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Death. That's God's point of view. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. A gentleman called me up today. They've been six months and uh, they live way over in the Manchester area. It takes them about an hour to get to church. And he's a farmer and uh, they can't get here on Sunday or Wednesday nights. And uh, they have just fallen in love with the church. And so he asked me, he said, what are, what are you preaching on Sunday? And I said, you know, right now I think I'm going to preach on, um, are you full of yourself? He goes, oh, you're going to empty a few more chairs in the church, huh? <laughs> I thought about that throughout the day. Whom we warn, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. People don't always like warning. Children don't always like warning, but at least they'll know they've been warned. Help your children understand the consequences of the sinful decisions and then avoid them. How many have ever heard a young person say, just let me make my own mistakes? I'm here for some. What a foolish, 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 foolish statement. Well, just let me make my own mistakes. Sometimes the consequences of sin can be absolutely devastating. And if you can learn from someone else's mistakes and not commit those same mistakes yourself, don't you think that would be a smart thing to do? So that must mean it's a dumb thing to do to make your own mistakes. So I guess if you want to be dumb and stupid and foolish, then make your own mistakes. But there are consequences. And they can be devastating. They can be life-changing. What we sow... Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow a habit, sow a habit reap a character. Sow a character. In the scriptures, there is a six-fold progression. Remember, we're trying to help our children to recognize and resist the devil. There is 
a sixfold progression of Satan's temptation through the lust of the flesh. It's in James chapter 1, and I'm going to put it up here, verse 13 through verse 16. And so here are the steps. And this before, I've seen as an example of the devil. And his ability to catch fish. And how deceptive he is. He is more deceptive than me because he always outfishes me. But that is the whole of a fisherman is to what? Deceive the fish. Into biting that lure or that hook. And this passage of scripture, this is about fishing here. So first of all, you have desire, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You ever see a fish being drawn away, being attracted to the lure? The deception. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and what? Enticed. So with that deception comes the enticement. Listen to me, this is exactly how Satan works in my life and your life. Appeals to the desire, then comes the deception, then comes on our part the deliberation. There is always a moment of deliberation. When lust is conceived, you start to take that in and think about it. Should I, shouldn't I? That's when the devil comes in and tries to convince you there's no consequences. No one will ever know. No one will ever find out. Nothing bad will happen. Just give in to the lust of the flesh. Enjoy the pleasures of sin. He forgets to throw in for a season. Then comes the disobedience. Now, here we go, church. At any point, could we stop this thing? Yeah. I mean, we're progressing here, but at any point, we could stop it. Desire, deception, deliberation, then comes the disobedience. When lust is conceived, it bringeth forth what? Sin. Comes the development. You ever notice that sin never stands still? Sin always becomes more sinful. Lust always becomes more lustful. And sin, when it is what? Finished, the development. What? Bringeth forth death destruction now is it too late yes or no it's too late it's too late desire deception deliberation disobedience the development and then the destruction and so what does he say as he ends up this passage do not err my beloved brethren now, how many people have read this passage of Scripture but have still erred? You know why? Because this is what you say. It's not going to happen to me. I saw it happen to that person, but it's not going to happen to me. Don't fall in love with the enticement. Number six, and this is where we're going to end up tonight. And we're going to fly through this. All right, several more slides. Is seek to instill in your child the fear of the Lord. Do you know what? We seldom even talk about the fear of the Lord anymore because we've, we've become so grace-orientated. The grace movement. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But so many just want to focus on the love of God and not the wrath of God. The mercy of God, but not the fear of God. I'm here to tell you tonight, God is who he is, and you're not going to change God into being something that he's not. 
And I want to... If God were to manifest himself in some of our churches today, I'm going to tell you what there would be. There would be a holy hush. We would be on the ground, our faces dug in before this holy God. There would, there would be a holy fear that would sweep over our churches. And that whole grace movement that we see today, that whole God is only love movement that we have, it would be gone like that. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. We no longer stand terrified before God. I'll just be honest with you. I think a lot of that fault lies right here at the pulpit. This definition was given years ago. I, I just kind of took it in. And of course, this isn't, this isn't scripture. This isn't a scriptural definition. I've heard the fear of the Lord defined in many different ways, but I thought this really hits it on the head biblically. The fear of the Lord is the continual awareness. We're continually aware that there is a holy God that knows every thought that we think, and everything that we do. You know what? We forget that, so we lose the fear of God. And He is either blessing, that is rewarding us, or cursing or judging us accordingly. I believe that that is a great definition of the fear of the Lord. Now, if I were to go around the room here and ask how many of you have a continual awareness of this holy God, probably not one of us could say, I do. Yes or no? So we need to help our sons, we need to help our daughters to memorize verses about the fear of the Lord. Sorry, I left out the daughters there. So I thought it would be good for us, and this is where we're going to go quickly. I thought it would be good for us just to throw up, just real quickly, some of the rewards that the Bible speaks about for those who live in that continual awareness that there is a holy God that knows everything they think, everything that they say, everything they do, and is either blessing or judging accordingly. First of all, to have the fear of the Lord will give you power to overcome sinful habits. to learn knowledge. It'll help you in the area of being wise. We all know this verse. The fear of the Lord is the what? Beginning of wisdom. It'll help you to grow in your wisdom. It'll give you riches. Did you catch that? It'll give you what? Honor life. Who does it'll help you to experience true worship? You know what I think we had going on here Sunday? I thought we had some really true worship going on here Sunday. It'll give you a long life. Fear the Lord prolongeth days. To help you to learn to be content, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therewith. To help you discover the fountain of life. Ever heard people say they're in search for the fountain of life? The fountain of life is found in the fear of the Lord. You can be looked upon to be why? Because someone who has the fear of the Lord things. You'll receive a very special inheritance. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage 
of those that what? Fear thy name. God has a special heritage for you. You'll be given God's mercy. You'll experience God's salvation. Can't be saved without a fear of the Lord. You know how I got saved? I feared the Lord. I feared I was going to hell. And that fear of the Lord and the judgment of God drove me to salvation. I have no wants. Well, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. I hope, I hope you're reading these verses as we're going along here. You'll receive daily provision. God will meet your every need if you fear him. God shall supply what? All your needs. You'll experience strong confidence. Why? Greater fear of the Lord than you do man. So you'll have a strong confidence. Bold as a lion. You'll experience fellowship with God. You ever heard someone say, well, you know what? I'm closer to the Lord than I've ever been. And you look at their life and you see God. What deception. The secret, talking about intimacy, fellowship with the Lord, with them that fear him. If you love me, Jesus said you will what? We'll come and make our abode with you. You'll experience God's goodness. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee. You'll have constant protection of You'll be delivered from trouble. Thank God for the angel of the Lord. You'll have God's pity. You'll bring delight to the Lord. You'll become a special treasure. Are these, are you all still with me? Are these not some amazing promises? The only way you're going to tap into these promises is to ask God to develop that fear of him in you. And don't ever forget, the devil is a what? He is a liar. He's a good liar, but he's a liar. How many have ever had to go head to head with a good liar? You ever had someone tell you that person, he is, I'm telling you, he's lying to you. And you're going, I don't know, I think he's telling me the truth. I'm telling you, he's lying to you. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I think he's telling me the truth. Only later to find out he was what? He was lying to you. Verse I use all the time. Steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Which life do you want? Which life do you want for your children? So we have to at least try to instill in our children and and into our children's children, grandparents, the fear of the Lord. There's great benefit and reward in that. Now let's go through some of the consequences. We saw the rewards. Let's look at some of the consequences if you say, well, I'm not going to fear God. Okay? There'll be no receiving salvation. Can't get saved without the fear of the Lord or God's blessing upon your life. Next, there's no effective witnessing. 
There is no effective soul winning. There is no entering into God's rest. There's no influence on an unsaved There is no courage to face suffering for righteousness' sake. There's no guard against wrong church members. There is no effective church discipline. There's no scriptural submission. Again, I wish I had time to preach on every one of these. No submitting one to another. Children will not be submitting to their parents. Church members will not be submitting to their pastor. We will not be submitting to those who are in authority over our lives when there's no fear of the Lord. quite a passage of scripture but right here at the end it says read it with me there read it with me there is no fear of god before their eyes no resistance to evil you know why we see so much evil just rampant in our country today there's no fear of god there's no perfecting of holiness in the believer's life There's no maturity or growth in salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear. So the question comes down to this. Wouldn't it be an awesome thing to have a church full of teenagers who have a greater fear of God than they do of man? And for them to then carry that on into their adult life. So who are you going to fear? And I really want you to answer that question right now for yourself. Who are you going to fear in life? Say, well, I'm going to fear men, my friends, my peers. Or I'm going to fear God. And fear not them which have the ability to kill the body and are not able to kill the soul. But read this with me. Read it with me. Here we go. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and hell. So you are either at that place tonight where you have more of a fear of God than you do of man or more of a fear of man than you do of God. It's one or the other. Noah was an amazing person. In the fear of And God saw the wickedness of man that it was great in the earth, just like it is today. And every imagination, the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And repented the Lord that he had made man in the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I made them. But Noah, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a just man, man in his generation, and Noah did what? Walked with God. Why? Because he had a fear of God. More than the fear of man that kept him faithful for 120 years building an ark when it had never rained. And people would come and they would mock him and they would mock his sons. But what did he do? He kept on building without having one convert. I can just imagine Noah... Living in the fear of God, working to build that ark for 120, that's that's an incredible thought. And that his boys would follow him. Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Could you see them on their 
10th year school reunion. Hey, Ham, looking great, man. What you been doing for the past 10 years? I've been building the ark with Dad. Seriously, come on, Ham. 20-year school reunion. Hey, man, you're looking great. What you been doing the past 20 years? Working with Dad. Building the ark. 50-year class reunion. Everyone else is walking with canes. Ham comes in and it looks like he's still in his 30s. Ham, what you been doing? <laughs> You're amazing. What you been doing for the past 50 years? I'm building the ark with Dad. 100th year school anniversary. <laughs> Ham's the only one left. There's no one else alive. <laughs> It's an incredible thing. He built the ark to the saving of his family and us. We we are going to be in heaven for all of eternity because there was one man one man that feared God more than man. The impact of a single person's life is incredible. As it was in the days of what? As it was in the days of Lot. At the coming of the... Listen, have we ever lived in a day when it's like the days of Noah and the days of Lot? I think most of you have probably heard of this shooting, a woman involved in it yesterday. There in California, goes into offices. She was an animal activist. And she goes in and shoots three people and then kills herself in defense of. We are messed up. You know, one of the things that I think shocks us all is we're no longer shocked about these things. Days of lot, immorality, violence, perversion. Tell you, Jesus is coming. Why did Noah find grace in the Lord, because he feared God. He would not allow himself or his children to be influenced by the wickedness that was around them in the world at that time. No. Uh Uh-uh. Not going there. Do you think in all that time the boys questioned Dad, Dad, are you sure it's going to (laughs) rain? All right. The fear of the Lord, and we read it, produced three things in the life of Noah that caused God's grace to be poured out. What were they? Produced personal holiness. He was a just man. It produced the ability to resist temptation. It was perfect in his generation. And it produced a close, close walk with the Lord, and Noah walked with God. These are the same three things that God wants to produce in our life. They'll never be produced until we develop a fear of the Lord. Can you just ask God to give it to you? If you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. (coughs) The generation in which we live is very wicked and very adulterous. I personally believe, and I may be wrong, others have believed it before me, but I personally believe that this is the, we are the last generation. Because the Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 24, the generation that sees the ten signs 
that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 24. We are the only generation that has seen those ten signs take place. I'm going to preach on one of them Sunday. So likewise, see all these things, know that it is near. Jesus coming is at the door. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. They have been fulfilled. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So where we have Noah that lived in the fear of God, we have Lot that lived in what? The fear of man. Look at the picture. That one picture grasps the whole story of Sodom and Gomorrah. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul day to day with their unlawful deeds. Number one, lead your children to personal salvation. Number two, dedicate your children to God. Number three, make sure your children know how to overcome sin and temptation. Challenge each one of your children to be totally dedicated to the Lord. Train each child to recognize and resist the devil. And instill in your children the fear of the Lord. And all God's people said, pretty tall order. Don't you agree? But God has given us that responsibility. Now, not next week. I'll probably be here, but uh, Pastor, looking forward to you preaching. But the week after next, Lord Terry's, we're going to be looking at protecting social media. Not like I have never preached on this before. (laughs) But I have some things that uh, I'll be sharing with you that I hope shock you to your very core of what's really going on in this whole social media world. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.